Thank God for Jesus. Amen. Thank God for Calvary. And I appreciate the Lord this morning. I tell you, you were in, I've been in a lot of churches that a lot of times uh, you come to the end of the week. And as you come to the end of the week, I'm glad to leave. I don't mean that wrong. I'm just glad to leave and go back home. And uh, a lot of times you can sit in a good church and not realize how good that church is. Amen. I'm not saying that just to you. I'm saying that to myself as well this morning. I'm so thankful to have a place to come and worship God. Isn't that right? And uh, church isn't about me. Church isn't about you. I think so many people have missed the mark of that. But church is about Him. Amen. Uh, People don't need to see me. They don't need to see you. But we all need to see the Lord. Amen. And uh, that's what I'm going to preach on by the help of God this morning. Hebrews chapter 2. If you'll stand with us, I want to read one verse of Scripture and then pray. And I want you to pray with me and for me. There may be someone here this morning that needs to be saved, but the Lord's able to take care of that. We'll pray, and uh, you worship the Lord this morning uh, in the preaching of the Word of God. And uh, so thankful that we have a Bible. Amen. And uh, I want to thank the Lord for the Word of God this morning, the privilege uh, to be able to stand and preach the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 9. The Bible says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Father, we bow into your presence this morning once again as we come to the throne of grace and mercy. We do come in Jesus' name. God, I want to thank you for the privilege to be here this morning. Lord, I want to thank you for the good singing we've heard and for the testimonies. And Lord, how it's been seasoned with your presence. And I pray now that you'll... Uh, move upon our hearts, help us to receive with meekness the engrafted word, and I pray the Spirit of God would have liberty to do what we cannot do this morning. God, may you be glorified, and we'll love you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach out of this verse of Scripture. I preach many sermons from Hebrews 2 and verse number 9, but as I was looking at this verse a few days ago, uh, the thought came to me concerning salvation And I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject, on the method of salvation. What method does God use when it comes to being saved? Now the Bible says in Acts 4 and verse 12, neither is there salvation any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Salvation is a must this morning. In John chapter 3 and verse number 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. So we know this morning that salvation Uh, though it is a free choice of every man, woman, boy, and girl, uh, when it comes to going to heaven, salvation is not an option as to go to heaven. Uh, Salvation, my friend, is a must, amen? It is imperative that every person uh, hear the gospel, be born again by the grace of God if they're going to go to heaven. And here in Hebrews chapter two and verse number nine, uh, I see that in this passage of scripture here, uh, the writer of Hebrews is dealing with this subject here and he makes this of this saying as he says but we uh, see Jesus amen and when you think about what he says about Christ in this text uh, it tells us how that he sees the Lord Jesus Christ I see here first of all uh, that we see his humility as the Bible said that he was made a little lower than the angels amen now that's what Hebrews 2 is dealing with uh, is how that when Jesus came into this world uh, he condescended and became lower than the angels uh, and wrapped himself up in humanity and was made in sin uh, in the 
likeness of flesh, the Bible says, uh, and he became man as we are, the God man, uh, and he bore our sins at Calvary. Oh, what humility Christ had uh, uh, to leave the portals of glory, uh, to lay down his robe of splendor and righteousness uh, and become a man as we are. And so we see his humility and then we see his hurt. As the Bible said here, uh, uh, that he was made a little lower than the angels. Notice this, for the suffering of death. Now Jesus tasted death for every man. Isn't that right? I'm not a Calvinist this morning. And I don't, I know that you're not a Calvinist this morning. I do not believe God elected some to go to heaven and some to go to hell. Amen. But Jesus tasted death for every single man. Now there will be those that will go to heaven and those that will go to hell. But every man has been made a free moral agent and he has the opportunity to choose. My friend, if he's going to go to heaven or go to hell by accepting Jesus Christ as his savior or not. And so we see the suffering of death. And so it talks about his hurt, the cruelty of the cross. Uh, when you think about the agony and the anguish that Jesus went through uh, when he suffered at Calvary, how that he was spit upon and he was beaten, uh, he was mocked and, uh, and a crown of thorns was placed upon his head and he carried that cross through the streets of Jerusalem. He went to the rack, the whipping post, uh, and there he was scourged and received at least 39 stripes uh, and possibly even more uh, as the Romans scourged him that day and blood run through the streets of Jerusalem all the way to the top of that hillside as Jesus drug that heavy cross up to the top of Golgotha's hillside and willingly laid his life down as he laid upon that cross. He stretched out his hands and they pierced his hands and they pierced his feet and they suspended him between heaven and hell and it was there on a bloody hillside between two thieves and between heaven and hell Jesus hung there on earth and and he bore the sins of every man, woman, boy, and girl. That's the suffering of death uh, that Jesus died uh, on the cross of Calvary. Amen. And so we see his humility and then we see his hurt uh, but then we see his honor as the Bible says in verse number uh, nine here that he was clothed uh, or he was crowned uh, with glory and honor. Now Jesus was not honored in this life uh, and in this world but after the resurrection when he came back. Amen. It was there that Jesus said on the Mount of Olives uh, that all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Uh, I want to tell you, friend, Jesus ascended back to the heavens uh, and on the other side, uh, as the men of Galilee stood there gazing up in the heavens, uh, uh, the Bible says in the book of Acts uh, uh, that they saw two men, two men uh, that said ye men of Galilee why stand ye gazing up into the heavens uh, for the same Jesus amen that you've seen go into the heavens uh, shall so come in like manner I just want to stop and say this uh, uh, the one I'm looking for uh, isn't come riding into town on a donkey he's not going to be wearing peasant clothes uh, but thank God when he comes again uh, he'll be clothed in glory he'll be clothed in honor uh, uh, Jesus will come again and many crowns will be upon his head. Hallelujah. Amen. Won't that be wonderful? Yes, All you boys ought to say amen to that. Amen. 
Jesus is coming again. Thank God. He's soon coming. And when we think about his glory and we think about his honor, he's been crowned in heaven with glory and honor. And he ought to be crowned every Sunday when we come to church. We ought to worship him who is worthy to be praised. Amen. I think a lot of times in church, if we're not careful, we'll get our minds on everything else and we'll miss that worship, amen. And worship is more than just a song and a sermon. It's more than just a testimony. It's more than just a prayer. Worship comes out of the heart. Amen. It's not just, it's not an act. A praise may be an action, but worship comes from within and praise comes from without. You see, my friend, while you're sitting there and the word of God is being preached, you ought to worship God. Amen. You ought to worship him in that word. You can raise your hand and praise him and you ought to. You can say amen and praise him and you ought to. Uh, But before you do any of that, there ought to be something stirring on the inside. It ought to just be automatic uh, how blessed we are uh, to hear the gospel one more time. Uh, I don't care if you're saved or lost. Uh, uh, You ought to thank God that you can hear the gospel uh, one more time. Uh, He's been crowned uh, with glory and honor. And so we see his honor. But then I see his help as the Bible said that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. If you want to know how strong the grace of God is, I'm going to tell you. It was strong enough that Jesus leaned on it when he went to Calvary. He didn't need the grace of God, but he used it. He trusted in it. He leaned upon it because the grace of God, why? For our example, to show us that the grace of God, if it is strong enough to help Jesus on the cross of Calvary, I know that he bore our sins all alone. I know that he bore our sins all by himself, but he, by the grace of God, he tasted death for every man as our example that there is no darkness, there is no shadows in this life so dark that what the grace of God cannot be real. If the grace of God is real enough to be present at the cross, then the grace of God will be real enough for any dark shadows that you and I ever face in this walk of life. And I see his help and I'm thankful for the grace of God. But what is God's method of salvation? You see this verse this morning is so great because it contains not just Christ alone, but it it contains the method What is God's method when it comes to being saved? Three things in this verse I want you to see this morning and we'll be through concerning God's method of salvation. I want to say when we think about God's method of salvation, that number one, God's method of salvation is always through a person. Amen. God's method of salvation is always through a person. Notice what the Bible says, but we see Jesus. Amen. Now there's no misinterpretation who this verse is talking about. There's no misunderstanding when the Bible talks about the suffering of death, when it talks about being crowned with glory and honor. There's no misunderstanding when it talks about that he, by the grace of God, who is all that talking about? It's talking about Jesus. Isn't that right? You know why that is? Because salvation's not in a plan. It's in a person. Amen? Salvation, as I've said before, it's not in a new leaf. It's in a new life. Amen? You say, well, preacher, I 
get saved, but I can't live it. Well, that's wonderful because none of us can. But if you get saved, this person named Jesus will live salvation through me and through you. Amen. I'm thankful salvation's through a person this morning. You see, I can't save myself, so therefore I can't keep myself. You say, well, preacher, if you can't save yourself and you can't keep yourself, who's doing the saving? The same one that's doing the keeping, amen? And that's him this morning. I'm not saved by self. I'm not saved by works. I'm not saved by religion. I'm saved, my friend, because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's through him. Titus 1 and verse number 2 said, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. It's not my promise. It's not the church's promise. It's his promise, amen. And friend, if you get saved this morning, you'll have to come through the son of God if you get born in the family of God. Now, it probably wasn't a more religious person than Nicodemus. But when he came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Do you know that did not impress Jesus one bit? And no doubt Zacchaeus, or no doubt Nicodemus came to him and said, Rabbi, meaning master, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. He used the word rabbi. He used the word teacher. But Jesus looked past all that religious rhetoric and he looked at him and he said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What's he doing? He gives Nicodemus in John 3, he gives him a natural illustration. He gives him a physical illustration. And then he gives him a spiritual illustration. He gave him that physical illustration when he said that which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee you must be born again. Then he gave him a natural illustration when he said the wind bloweth where it listeth and thou hearest the sound thereof but canst not tell whither it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. What's Jesus doing? He's inching him closer to the cross. Then he said as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of Man, be lifted up. Jesus is the Son of Man, and the Son of God became the Son of Man, so that we, the sons of men, might become the sons of God. Salvation is through a person this morning. Do you know Him today? I'm not asking you if your name's on the roll. I'm not asking you, listen, if you've been faithful to Sunday school, I'm not asking you if you've been baptized. What I'm asking you is, do you know this man that we sing about? Do you know this man that we preach about? Is Jesus personal in your life? I like that old song that said, Jesus is right for whatever's wrong in your life. Don't you like that? You know, I I like that old song that says, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice that I hear falling on my ear. Amen. The Son of God discloses. And the songwriter said, and he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me that I am his own. And the joy that we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Has the Lord ever spoke to you in the early morning hours and woke you up and said, come and talk to me just a little while. Come read my book, my words of life, my love letters for just a little while. I'm telling you he's as real as anybody you'll ever meet in this walk of life and 
so much more. The presence of God is real because he is a person, amen? He can be felt, he can be grieved, he can be ignored, he can be worshiped. That's all the characteristics of a person. He can be loved and I wanna tell you, he can love you back, amen? I'm telling you, there's nothing like loving on Jesus and having Jesus loving on you, amen? Of salvation is through a person. I'm glad that when I got saved, I didn't get a bunch of rules, but I got a relationship, amen? And that relationship makes me want to follow God's rule book. I'm talking about his method is through a person this morning. And that person is not Mohammed. And that person is not Buddha. And that person is not Mary. And it's not Confucius. That person is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. That the Bible said in Philippians 2 and verse number 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, when the angel came to Mary, that angel said, And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number one said who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed and brother I want to tell you in that chapter he talked about none other than a person and that person is Jesus amen do you know him this morning he makes all the difference in the world and salvation is through a person and then secondly I see that salvation is by blood as the word of God says But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. Notice this, for the suffering of death. Jesus went to Calvary to die. Several years ago, Hollywood made a a film that I cannot remember the name of that film, but uh, when Hollywood, I remember as just a teenage boy, they, they made this film, and as they made this film, it pictured Christ as one that was, was going to Calvary or was born and going through life, and he did not know what his destination, he did not know what his purpose was in life, and so he just kindly stumbled through life, and at 33 and a half years of age, he finally was able to put it all together, and at the cross, uh, he figured out the plan of God and what it was that he was born to die. Can I tell you that's none other than a lie hatched out of the pits of hell. The Bible says that before the foundations of this world, Jesus was a lamb that had already been slain. Calvary was not an accident and Calvary was not an afterthought in the mind of God. But before God ever laid the mud seals of this old wicked world, I want to tell you before Adam could sin in the garden and before God came walking through the cool of the day, Calvary was already finished in the mind of God and Jesus came to do the will of the Father and that's to shed his blood, amen, for every one of us. Jesus didn't come to heal people. He came to save people. He said the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And my friend, the sacrifice demanded blood. When I, whenever uh, uh, whenever uh, uh, Abel, Cain and Abel came before the Lord, no doubt there was a certain time and a certain place that they came to sacrifice. 
And Cain knew as much about sacrifice as what Abel did, for Adam had taught them both. For God had taught Adam in the garden. And as they came to that place, perhaps it was the very gates of paradise itself, the place where they had been judged and drove out from. Perhaps that's the place that they came to worship. That would be as close to the the presence of God as they could get here on earth. Perhaps that's where they came. But on that day, I see in my mind, you've got Cain on one side and you've got his offering and you've got Abel on the other side and you've got his offering. And as you think about Cain's offering, it was very beautiful. Looked probably a lot like this and those great fall scenes that we see this time of the year. And Cain had brought forth the first fruits of his his hands and his labor and no doubt he laid that beautifully before God and it looked beautiful and it looked wonderful. Isn't that the way religion is? They like to build great monuments and statues and elaborate buildings because religion wants everything to look beautiful. I've I've seen the Mormon tabernacle and probably not seen a more beautiful building than I've ever seen before the money and the and the, and the, the architecture work that is spent. But I'm going to tell you as Cain stood there before God as his looked so beautiful. It was the work of his own hands just like religion. Abel's on the other hand, there wasn't nothing beautiful about it. It was a bloody mess. Amen. Abel stood there. His lamb had been slain. He was standing in blood. There was blood dripping off the altar. It had been offered before God and burnt. And I'm telling you, Abel was a mess in ashes and in blood mingled with him but when God looked down he wasn't looking for beauty he was looking for blood amen he was not looking for works he was looking for a sacrifice and when he saw the sacrifice of Abel he was pleased with his sacrifice I want to tell you when God sees me and you thank God he don't see me as I am he sees me worthy because he looks down and he sees the blood of his own son. Romans 5 and verse 9 said much more then. Being, he just got God, he just got through saying where sin doth abound. Grace doth much more abound. But then he said much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. I'm telling you when I get to heaven, Brother Jason, and the only thing that I'm gonna plead, the only thing I can't plead is the blood that was shed at Calvary. Nothing no, nothing in my hand I bring, but simply to the cross I cling. It's by the blood or it's hell. My friend, if you get saved, you'll have to go through the blood. You'll have to go through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now why is that this morning? Why is that? Because a blood sacrifice was demanded because life is in the blood. And when Adam sinned, his blood was contaminated. Wherefore is by one man's sin entered into this world and death by sin. So the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundant. You, you see, they could, they could offer one, one animal after another, but that blood could not give eternal life because it didn't have eternal life. But the Bible said, he that knew no sin 
became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus went to the cross and became the sacrificial lamb, laid his life down, poured his blood out. His eternal life, his eternal blood was shed for you and I. Then Jesus, he through the eternal spirit, took that same blood, offered it on the altar as our high priest, amen, our intercessor, and satisfied the altar in heaven. Why? Because that blood is eternal, amen? So the life it gives is eternal life. And the method of salvation is through a person and the method of salvation is through the blood but then I want to say this in closing the method of salvation is by the grace of God you see the Bible said for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast oh hear me this morning if you get saved if you go to heaven this morning It'll only be by the grace of God. I think as long as you're here and you think you deserve to be saved or have a right to be saved, you cannot be saved. But it's when we come to the end of ourselves and realize, I deserve to go to hell. There's not anything I can do. There's not anything I can be to go to heaven. It's only by the grace of God. You might be here and say, preacher, I've been raised in church since the womb, but that's just the grace of God. Do you realize how many people are raised in church and still go to hell? Being raised in church isn't anything to be boastful about. Being raised in church doesn't mean necessarily you're going to get saved. I think as parents, we ought to pray for our children and grandchildren and never just assume that, well, because they're in church, they will get saved. For many have been in church. They went to hell. They turned a deaf ear to the voice of God, spurned the invitation, walked out and God never visited them again. Heard a hundred thousand more sermons, uh, but never heard the voice of God in that sermon. They could hear the voice of their preacher, but you've got to get past hearing the voice of your preacher and hear the voice of God. Salvation's by grace, amen. It's just the grace of God that any of us are sitting in church this morning. It's the grace of God. We're not a Mormon or a Jehovah Witness or a Catholic. It's the grace of God. We're not in a third world country this morning. It's the grace of God that we're in the south. It's the grace of God that we own a Bible. Boy, aren't you thankful for the grace of God and that the God of all grace. You tell me one good reason why God would save somebody like me, why God would save somebody like you. I can't give you one good reason other than grace fell my way one day and I'm so thankful that the grace of God came to where I was and rescued me. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for God's amazing grace? And sinner... Hear me well this morning. If you're here and you're lost, you need to come and be saved. Don't you put it off. Don't wait and say, well, I, you know, I might get saved. Uh, I might get saved tonight, preacher. You don't know if there's going to be a tonight. And just because we have church tonight, you don't know that God's going to speak to your heart. You better come now. It's now or never. That's how you have to treat every invitation. When the Holy Ghost speaks to you with that still small voice and he knocks on your heart and clear, clear as the noonday sun, there's no confusion with God. He don't play games. He don't play hide and seek. You say, well, I'm not sure if it's the Lord. Then it's probably not because God's presence is always clear. I remember the day 
And the Holy Spirit spoke to me for the first time. He didn't need an introduction, friend. Nobody had to come along and say, hey, that was Jesus talking to you. Oh, no. He don't need no, no introduction. If you're sitting there saying, well, I don't know if it's the Lord. I don't know if it's the Lord. Then it ain't Him. Because when He speaks, you'll know. You'll know His voice. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And a stranger they will not follow. He said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which is greater than all, he said, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand, which is greater than all. And he said, I and my Father are one. I want to ask you a question this morning. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about being saved? We're living in, we're living in some tough times. The hearts of men have grew harder. And we as Christians got to do more praying. We got to pray more for conviction. But if you're here this morning and you're lost, then today's the day. You say, well, I, I, may, I may wait. I'm going to think about it. No, that's not what the Bible says. Now is the accepted time. Now's the time for you to get saved. Well, I didn't plan on it. I didn't come ready. None of us did. But I sure am glad for the day God passed by. I wonder tonight or this morning as we stand, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, Christians are praying. Brother David's going to sing this song this morning. If you're here and you're lost, I don't want you to wait one verse. I want you to come this morning. We'll meet you in this altar. I want you to get saved. Would you do that this morning while we sing? Would you come this morning? Would you Have thine affections been How about nailed it, to a cross? Yes. Is thy heart right yes. with God? How about it, sinner? How about it this morning? Down us thou all things Are you saved? Jesus but Lord. Have you been born again? Do you know this person? Have you been washed in the blood? Oh, while we sing it, come on, sing it. That's right. Washed in the crimson blood. Cleansed and made holy. Hey, look at me just a moment. Look at me just a moment. While we wait just a moment, I want to ask you this question. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? If He is, what's He telling you this morning? Maybe you, maybe you need to come and be saved. Maybe you're saved, but you need to come and get right with God this morning. What's He saying to you this morning? What's He speaking to your heart about? Will you obey Him this morning? Don't let the crowd, don't let the invitation, don't let the time, don't let what other people think or what other people might say hold you in that pew. If you need to be saved this morning, if you need to get right with God, why don't you come? You'd hate to leave this building this morning lost without God and go out in eternity. You'd hate to leave this building this morning saved but unprepared. Not where you need to be at with God. I wouldn't want to face God backslid this morning, would you? If I was to die today, I want to face Him as right as I can. 
I want to be as right as I can be with God. And you can be this morning. Our heads are bowed. Christians are praying. I want to ask you this morning, is there somebody here, Brother Gravely? Don't embarrass me. But if I died right now, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. And I want you to pray for me. Would you lift your hand and let me pray for you? Would you do that this morning? Would you be honest with yourself and honest about your soul enough to raise your hand and say, Brother Gravely, pray for me. I, I don't want to go to hell and I'm not sure if I'm ready to meet God. I want you to pray for me. Just lift your hand up and put it down. I'll pray for you. God bless you. I see that hand. I wonder if there's somebody else here this morning. You'd lift your hand. Would you lift your hand? Would you care enough for your soul to let somebody pray for you this morning? Preacher, please pray for me. If I died right now, I just don't know that I'm ready. Listen, if God is speaking to you, if the Holy Spirit's drawing you, would you come to this altar? If you'll come, me and my wife will meet you down here. We'll pray with you. You can get it settled. Don't go home troubled. Don't go home in the shape you're in. If God's telling you you're lost and telling you you need to be saved, come on this morning. On this verse, I want you to step out and come to Jesus if He's talking to you. While we sing, would you come? Would you come?